0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. That He's stable and secure beyond what we could understand or comprehend. And that His peace right now is permeating, it's flooding our hearts and our minds to guard us in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for graciously blessing us with your presence. Oh, my goodness, we thank you for being with us. Who is man that you are mindful of him, that you would choose, you would choose to make this possible this morning, to encounter the living, risen Christ. And we thank you, God, for what you are doing in our hearts, even in this moment. We exalt the name of Jesus above every name. There is no other name. There is absolutely no other way to the Father. We speak that over our lives. There is no name above the name that is Jesus. There is no other name by which any man can be saved than the name that is Jesus. And we, pro- we proclaim the name of Jesus over this church right now. Like a banner of righteousness that is upon us, that is above us, that is across us. We just proclaim the name of Jesus, the name that contains power, the name that declares your sovereignty. We thank you for the name that says, Emmanuel, that you are with us, that you're with us in the storm, you're with us in the fire, you're with us in the flood. You are here right now. And your name, we exalt it, we lift it up, and we say as your church, you are great and greatly to be praised. There is no one like you. And we're not here to play the religious game. We've come to encounter you, that you would change our hearts, that you would change our lives, that you would make us more like Jesus, that you would form Christ in us by the power of your spirit at work in this place this morning. We haven't come to hype things up. We haven't come to just chase an experience. We want to encounter the person, the person of Jesus. And we thank you for your gracious blessing on us this morning. And everyone said, amen. "Amen, amen, and amen." You can grab your seat. I feel like grabbing a seat. Woo! Yeah, wow! It's good to see you this morning. Um, can we thank this team for not just not just our worship leading us this morning, but you know everything they do in the preparation for. Uh, these Sunday morning services, I hope you catch, if you're new to our church or if you've been here for a long time, I hope you catch the, 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 the thought with us is that we don't just think church is an event. It's not just a Sunday to Sunday thing that we put on a nice little event or a show or a program just for a couple of hours. Church is us. It's us gathering together. It's us worshipping our God together. It's us proclaiming his goodness together. It's us encouraging each each other. And so there's so much more that goes into our church life than just uh, what takes place on a Sunday. Although we love the Sunday, there is so much more to this. Now, I just got to let you quickly know that uh, on the 5th of December, we have our Volunteer Appreciation Night. And that is open to anyone that is part of a team here at Grace Life, that serves here at Grace Life. And it is a Bollywood-themed party. So we're going to actually ask you to dress up a little. Mike, I see you're getting excited there about dressing up as a Bollywood person. Uh, we're going to ask you to dress up in like your Bollywood costume. There's actually going to be a little surprise on the night. Can't tell you who might be coming. It's not the king of India, if India has a king, prime minister. I'm not fact checking that, but there'll be a guest, a special guest, and that is to just celebrate what, what God has done in us and through us this year. It's been a rough couple of years. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not even going to understate that. But God is good. He's good through it all. He's been good through it all and he'll continue to be good through it all. And so we're going to celebrate. It's at 5.30 p.m. in our Malaga foyer. And uh, if you're part of a team, life group, chaplain care, anything you're connected to to doing something here, we really want to appreciate you. This is about showing you that you are loved and valued and honored. So come along to that. If you haven't already received an email, you'll probably get one in the next few days from your team leader or your uh, oversight. And uh, we want to really, really celebrate uh, God among us. Who's been enjoying reading through Philippians? Okay, a couple of us like the Word of God. I know. Yeah. Every time I say, "Hey, who's been doing this? Who wants to put their hand?" Oh, who, who said? There's like three or four people, and you probably don't like me saying who wants to or who who wants to put their hand up. But um, I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it so much. And just to let you know a little bit of the context of this, we actually prayed about this. Like. Toward the end of each year, we we seek God on what it is that he wants to take us through as a church. And we felt Philippians 3 would be particularly, this is like December, November last year, we felt Philippians 3 would be particularly uh, relevant to where God has us this year. And we actually were going to start the year off with it, but we held off for a little bit. Just feeling like it was kind of like a pause. And then we felt like, okay, now's the time to go Philippians 3. Read through Philippians 3 and then we thought, oh, you know what? This is so good. We're going to just continue on in Philippians 4. And I've got to say that, that where we are right now is the grace of God. If you've been listening to the last couple of weeks and the sermons that we've been hearing and the passages that we've been reading, it's been talking about the, the pathway that God gives us. in Philippi, Let me just recap a little bit. In Philippians 4, he's, uh, 4, 4, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Hey, he tells us to be full of joy, to rejoice at all times. And that's possible because of our relationship with Jesus. And he's, then he says, don't worry about anything. Has anyone nailed that yet? You've been practicing. Hopefully, you've you've nailed it. I haven't. I'm still working on that one. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. What a beautiful promise, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace is not a passive thing. It's actually an active, proactive, and protective thing. He says, it will guard your hearts and your minds. And that word guard in the, in the Greek is actually a picture of like centurions that would stand on guard and look after you. His peace will protect you. Is that not good? And then he goes on to say, and now, um, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, and he's such a preacher because he says one final thing a few times. It's like, and I'm going to close with this. This is my final statement. And I'm going to close with this one too. One final thing. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And what an encouragement and I think an intentional pointing to us to direct our thinking. Many of us experience the rottenness of life through the lens of stinky thinking our thinking just kind of contributes to the, the, the hopelessness or the desperation that we feel. And so Paul says, you know, don't be anxious, don't worry, but instead pray, petition with thanksgiving in your hearts, and then God's peace will be with you. And then fix your thoughts on these things. Do these things. Get, get, get your, your thinking in the right direction. And then we find ourselves in 2021, in a time in a, in a, in a, in a, of, you know, probably for us, unparalleled uncertainty. And I, I, I know it's, you know, they say we're in, in uncertain times. There has, I don't think there's ever been a time when it hasn't been uncertain. Because this world is not certain. This world will pass away. Everything that, that we come into contact with is, will be here today and gone in, in the future. But the one thing that is certain, the one thing that is secure, the one thing that is stable, is Jesus. It's our God. And in 2021, in this time, we find ourselves in this passage, and I think that is just the graciousness of God to us, that he would give us this gift of his word at this time. Who started the year off with a real good goal or a real good resolution? Anyone? I know I keep saying I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but I'm going to do it again. It's kind of a habit now. Anyone? I started the, the year with the resolution to get, you know, to go to the gym and to put on some muscle. Obviously, put that one off to next year. But um, my, my, my goal for this year was to just get a little bit fitter and just get, a, you know, put on a little bit of muscle because I'm, I'm getting old and I, I need to kind of take care of myself now. I'm learning that I'm not as young and able bodied as I once was in my 20s, or 10s, and so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna just uh, join the gym, and I'm gonna get fit. I'm just gonna you know, get a little bit healthier. And so I went down to Plus Fitness. Can you show the picture of the inside of Plus Fitness? If you've not been down there, this is Plus Fitness Ellenbrook, which is not far from us, actually. And I went down and had a chat with the consultants and uh, ended up you know, joining the gym. This is my pass to the gym. Is my access. So anytime I want to go to the gym, I can go to the gym. And uh, it's actually a 24-hour gym, so literally anytime I want to go to the gym, I can go to the gym because I've got this pass which gets me in the door anytime, even public holidays, which is a bit of a, a selling point for me. After getting the, the gym membership, which I am still paying for, even though my wife has said, are you still paying for that gym membership? When I say, yes, I'm going to start again on Monday, <laughs> and Monday never comes, <laughs> I'm going to start again. I, I downloaded a, a workout plan so that I could get the workout plan. It's called the Smiter, which I thought was quite biblical, um, the, the Smiter workout plan. I was like, that's pretty cool. And so this is actually a, a workout plan that uh, would give me the, the, the ability to build some muscle And so I've got the plan, I know the exercises, and uh, here I am today, no different than I was at the start, probably even more unhealthy, as a confession to you. I've eaten a lot of Doritos, and I feel guilty about that, no. But um, I have access to the gym at any time that I want to. And I have the the, the right information to be able to follow, to help me to, to, to grow in my health and in my fitness. And yet nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And we jump into Philippians chapter 4 verse 9 today, which follows all of these great things that Paul says to the church. And we see in verse 9, he says this, Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Let me read it one more time. He says there, Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Even though I had everything that I needed to get fit, I didn't put it to work. I didn't put it to practice. And this sounds so elementary. It sounds so basic. It sounds like, the. Of course, if you don't actually go to the gym, it's not going to change your life. But do you know what? We probably have frames on our fridges or decorations on our or ornaments with scriptures engraved in them that would tell you to fix your thoughts on that is, which is good and that which is pure and that which is noble. And maybe we've got some fridge magnets or some little things in your, in your frames that say, don't be anxious or don't be worried, but in everything, pray. But do you know, unless you actually put that into practice, it stays, it remains a, a theory. It remains a good concept that could change your life, that could change the way you actually engage with life. But unless you actually put it into practice then it it won't change your life. And in in some senses might leave you with a little bit of frustration because you might be thinking, hang on a second, God's word says this and, and it doesn't work. But what if I was to tell you that God's word does work, but in order for it to work, you've got to put it to work. You've got to put his word to work in your life. And so Paul, when he says these things to the, to the Philippians, he doesn't want them to be fooled or to be deceived that just by knowing the right thing, that they're going to be transformed. Just by knowing the pathway to peace, that they're going to experience it. Because unless they continue to put it into practice, unless they do what the Word says, then nothing's going to change. And they might have it on the fridge and they might memorize it, and they might, might kind of live their lives framed around it, but unless it's at work in their lives, and nothing changes. I, I walk with Christians, I work with Christians, I am a Christian, and I see this a- a- happening. That we know the truth that God says in His Word, but we're not living it. We're not applying it to life. And then we get frustrated that it doesn't work. And do you know this is not just a one-off thing? He says, keep, keep putting into practice, don't worry, he says, don't worry, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving in our hearts, present those things to God. That's not just a one-off thing. I don't know if you've ever, uh, we had a chat about this in our life group and we talked about how, you know, worry and anxiety is not necessarily our intention. When something happens, when something, when you go through something, when you're thinking about something, it's not like you think, oh, do you know what? I haven't worried for a while. I'm, I'm due to worry right now. And actually at 1.30, I'm gonna set aside five minutes to really worry about this situation. It's not like you set your alarm clock for 3.30 in the morning to wake you up so that you can think about what happened yesterday or what you're going to have to do tomorrow. That's almost like a natural kind of default thing in us, isn't it? But isn't it true then that the opposite is actually intentional? When Paul says, don't worry, he probably says that because we're inclined to worry. And then he gives us this pathway, instead, do this. The instead is actually intentional. It doesn't just happen until you keep putting it into practice and the more you put it into practice the more it becomes your pathway the more it becomes your rhythm the more it becomes the way you work things so it's not just the one off thing that we have to do don't worry in this situation it's putting this into practice don't worry Put it into practice. And we heard last week as Garfield was ministering, and that was a great word. He was talking about you know, the neuroplasticity. You, you commented on this and how um, scientists now have, re- they used to think that our minds, once something was set in our minds, that it was basically cemented there. You couldn't change a thought. But now they've realized that you are able to, to the, the mind is almost like this plastic kind of thing that you can change those thoughts and those thinking patterns by directing them in a certain way. We knew this in God's word, Romans 12. Don't be conformed to the world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind, the the literal changing and shaping and restoration of the way you think. There is a roadworks happening just over in this street here. Blast them. My house is on the other side of that roadworks, and it usually takes me three minutes to get here. And for the last feels like 24 years, I have had to take the detour. Now, I want to tell you how many times I got into autopilot and I just headed in the same direction I've always headed in because it's the way I've always gone, only to find that exactly like yesterday, there was a roadblock there. Do you know, we learn these thinking patterns we learn the, the, these, these, these traits, our, our minds are almost uh, you know, trained in a certain way, and to, to change that we've got to think in a certain way, and Paul says, keep putting that into practice. I don't want us to, to, to you know, hold on to the Word of God and, and, and just say, you know, we've got it. I want us to be people who put this to work in our lives, who actually live it out, who see the word do the work that God wants it to do in your life to change you to transform you now uh, ever think about this this passage here Luke 6:46 this is something that Jesus encountered he says here so why do you keep calling me lord lord when you don't do what i say just sit with that for a moment I don't really need to add anything to that. He's talking to the people who are following him, who have said, you are our Lord. And he says, hang on a second. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And when we see in scripture that a word is repeated, there's a reason for it. And in this, this sense, it's, it's talking about an endearment or a relational thing. It's not just that you're the Lord over there, you're, you're my Lord. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? In Jesus' mind, there was a disconnection between confessing the Lordship and not doing what he said. He doesn't say then, why do you call me Lord and not listen to what I say? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I wonder at times for myself, I I profess that Jesus is Lord, but does my life show that? Is my life a constant yes to him? Am I constantly saying, yes, Lord, whatever you you say, whatever your word tells me, wherever you lead me, wherever you want me to go? And not just on the big life decisions, because we probably put a bit of prayer into that before you change a job, before you move house, I hope you do. But before, but even in the day-to-day things, like yes, Lord, I'll speak to that person. Yes, Lord, I won't go into that place. Yes, Lord, I'll do this. Yes, Lord, I won't do that. He says that there's a disconnection there. You're calling me Lord, but you're not listening to what I actually say. What i what you're not, you're not doing what I tell you. Just call me friend. Call him, I don't know, teacher or call him something, but maybe don't call him Lord. Can you get what he's saying? And then he goes on to say, uh, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me. They listen to my teaching and then they follow it. So this is someone that hears it, they listen, and then they apply it. They live it out. He says, it's like a person building a house who digs deep, found, dig, who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. It's not just that they heard it, but they lived it out. They put it to work. They applied his words. They said, yes, they obeyed. And what is the, what is the result of that? That when those things come... That when the floodwaters rise and when they break against that house, not if, it's when, when they do, then the foundations are strong enough that they will be able to stand. And then he gives the example of of anyone in verse 49. He says, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. That sounds pretty serious. That sounds like he's saying, you know, you actually have the opportunity here to really build your foundations upon something that is solid. And if you choose to do that, then when those things happen, you're going to stand. But if you choose not to, and he's not talking about they didn't hear, because both groups of people heard what he said, the difference was who put it into action, who actually did what he said to live it out, to, to, to put it to work. And the difference was that when those things came in their lives, that they would be, uh, you would see there the, the were consequences toward not doing what he said. And it's, it, we, we don't read that he brings the flood water or that he brings that to kind of shake your world. He just says it's going to happen. And at that time, at that point of testing, it's going to show up what you're built on. COVID has shown up what we built stuff on. COVID showed what the church was built on. COVID showed up what our lives were built on. It showed up what society has been built on. I don't think COVID necessarily created all the issues we're seeing today. It just kind of brought it up. We already had instability. We already had all these things happening in our world. It just kind of made us kind of focus on it and brought it all to the surface. It showed what the foundations were when there was a bit of shaking. And my prayer is that when we experience that shaking, that our foundation would be solid upon his word. It would be solid upon the revelation of Christ, the cornerstone. That he is the one which we build our lives upon. And so there's these two groups in another... in another. Uh, Gospel writers' uh, rendition of this, he, he says that the one group is wise, those who put it into practice, and the other is foolish. Can I say to you that God has designed life in such a way that if we follow His, if we follow what He puts in place, we receive blessing, and not just material blessing. Don't think of it in that way. But if you choose to fo- align your life to His pathway to his way of doing life, you will find yourself in a place of fruitfulness. You will find yourself in a place of relationship and intimacy with him. But if you choose to go in the other direction, knowing the path, then that's not necessarily on him for removing that from you. That's on you from removing yourself from his blessing. He's not saying, okay, because you're doing the right thing, now I'm going to give you something. He's saying, if you live in this place, the way that I've designed life, the way that I've created your life, you're going to experience life. But if you choose to go in the other direction, then guess what? I can't necessarily give you everything I want to give you. You can't experience everything that is inside of Christ if you're trying to walk outside of him. And so he says, continue to put these things into practice. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And again, this is not about God trying to beat us and make us submissive and make us just obedient robots. The things, the commands of God, the the things that he would lead us into bring life. They actually bring life. If your attitude toward God's word is, oh, I just don't want to do that because it's too hard or it's too, it's going to change me or it's going to make me something that I, I don't want to be, then maybe your attitude towards God's word needs to change because this is life. He gives us the, this abundant life in Christ. And my attitude to that is, God, I want to walk in, in obedience. I don't want to just hear the word. I want to live it out. I want to see it do something in my life. Is anyone with me this morning? Here's another example. If I was to go, uh, me and my wife, we want to go on a holiday. And uh, we're going to go to, I don't know, where's a good place to go on holidays nowadays? Oh, overseas, obviously. Where can I go? Tasman- that is overseas. Tasmania. Somewhere in Australia. <laughs> I'm joking. To, I'm, I'm, we want to go to Tasmania for a couple of weeks because it's actually really nice over there. And we say, look, we got, we've got a dog now. Oh my goodness, sort of thought about that before we were, you know, getting a dog when you want to go on holidays, someone has to look after it. Wow, didn't even think of that. But anyway, we got a dog now. And um, so we want to go on holidays, we want to go for a couple of weeks. So we're not just going to leave the dog by itself, are we? So why not? <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Okay. We're not going to leave the dog by itself or even the house by itself. And so we're going to ask someone to come and house sit for us. Now imagine if we invited someone to come and house sit for us. And we said to them, before we go away, there's just a a couple of little things that you're going to have to do when you're looking after our house. Here's a couple of small things that we need you to do. The bins go out on. Thursday, very good, Sue. Thank you. The bins go out on Thursday, and it doesn't change every week. And I still forget it. The bins go out on Thursday, so please take the bins out on Thursday. The dog needs to eat two meals a day, <coughs> two meals every day. Uh, and, and we just got these other things that we want you to just keep tidy. You know, clean down this or do that. We give them the instructions to look after our house, and then we go away. We go away for two weeks. Is that what I said? Two or three weeks? I feel like a three-week holiday right now. We go away for three weeks, and we come back after a three-week holiday, and um, we walk up to our house, and we see that the bin is overflowing. And we walk into the house, and the dog is like a stick. And we think, oh my goodness, we gave them the instructions on how to look after our house. And then we go in, and we see the, the house sitter, and say, what happened to the bins? What happened to the dog? It's like a stick. And they said, "Did you not follow the instructions that we gave you?" And they say to us, "We really, really enjoyed those instructions. We thought they were amazing. Take the bin out every Thursday. What an idea! Feed the dog twice a day. Hey, that is a, that that is some real good God logic right there. Feed the dog every second day. And then we ask them, well. Did you take the bin out? Did you feed the dog? And they said, no, but we actually had a Bible study. And we invited Susan and Bill over. And we read your instructions in our life group. We read and, and we, we, we talked about what it would be like if we took the bin out. And you know what? Susan even looked up the Greek meaning of rubbish bin. And you know what she found? It's the same word for trash. <laughs> we thought that was so good. We just thought that was so good. And, and not only did we you know, study them, we actually took those instructions, that pa- piece of paper that you gave us, and we went to Officeworks. And we got it bound in leather so that we would never forget what you told us to do. What would we say? get out we would say why didn't you just do the instructions hey let's not be like that with god when he i know your word lord i know what you told us i know what you said i know what you where you're leading me but i'm going to just study it and that's important i'm not saying don't study the word i'm not saying don't learn i'm not saying don't engage in life group but I am saying put into practice that which he says. He says, do that thing. Keep, continue to do those things. Another a translation, uh, sorry, another passage that we see this, because it's not just a, a modern problem. This was happening straight away when the church was birthed. James says this in, in James 1.22. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. That's important. You're not fooling God. The only person that we're fooling is ourselves. The, the, the person who is missing out when we don't put the word to work is not necessarily God. It's us, we're missing out. He says, you're only fooling yourselves for if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, listen, then God will bless you for doing it. Here is the pathway to blessing in life. It's to do what God says. If you want to live fruitful, if you want to to live in that place of abundant blessing in God, then listen to what he says and do it. Hear and obey. That Hebrew word for for hear is actually connected to obey. It's it's like the same. The concept is that it's the same. It's not just to hear it. It's to apply it, to live it out. So hear and obey. Keep putting it into practice. Because otherwise, it just becomes a good concept, a good idea, something that you can counsel someone else with, but not even apply to your own life. Live it out. And what's he directly talking about? Those passages just before in Philippians 4, where he says, don't worry. Rejoice always. Keep putting these things into practice. And this passage is probably not on your fridge but it probably should be because it'll get everything else activated in your life. Then he goes on to say, after this, the next part there, is he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and you saw me doing. Everything you heard from me and everything you saw me doing. You know, the things of God are taught and caught. The, 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 the lessons and the principles and even the life of God is taught in certain areas and caught in certain areas. Meaning Paul taught the churches, he gave instruction, he expounded, he, he taught, he he uh, he gave systematic theology, we would understand it as today, he gave them doctrine, he, he taught. There was a place for teaching. But there was also a place where the, the, the churches needed to catch part of his life. Some of the things of God are not necessarily taught in classrooms, but are caught on the journey of life. And Paul says, what you heard from me, what I have taught in word, and what you have seen in me, what you have caught from my life. The example and the pattern of my life, which he, he, he talks about in Philippians 3, we read maybe a month ago, Philippians three seventeen, uh, imitate me or, or follow the pattern of my life, continual thing that paul puts before the church is to say look at me follow jesus and then you follow me as i follow jesus because hopefully as you see me living out my faith and following jesus you're going to catch some of that i don't know if you when you were learning to talk when you were like two years old if your parents sat you down with a blackboard anyone anyone sit you down and like have a blackboard and start writing this possibly some teachers might have no judgment so it's a fair thing. We got people that don't want to feed the dog in this church. <laughs> so feeding so t- teaching is, is fine. But your, your kids probably caught more than they learnt in, in the classroom initially, right? They they caught your facial expressions. They watched how you responded in in, in situations. You know when you when you drop a baby or <laughs> When a baby falls over or something, geez, this is going this is going rogue today. You yeah, know, when a baby falls over, if your expression is oh, do you know what they do? They panic, they cry because they they're feeding off of your kind of expression, they're catching your reaction to life, they're learning from you in the way that you live your life. So it is with discipleship. There's so much of discipleship that is learnt as we just do life with people. That's why it's good to have discipleship classes where we teach we teach the Word of God. But there's got to be life on life application. Where we're in community, we're in fellowship, and where we can learn to live out some of those things that we read in the Word. Where we've got opportunity to exercise encouragement. Where we've got opportunity to to exercise forgiveness. Where we we've got those 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 chances to learn and to watch. Hopefully, you've got like a mentor in your life. Hopefully, you've got people that you look to for, for as you as you journey in faith. And I'm not saying that we ever use those people to replace Jesus or they become the standard for life because that's wrong. Christianity is not the standard. Jesus is the one. But we should have people in our lives that we're learning off of. We're looking at them. I, 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 you know, I love being around John Ford. I, lo- I just love his encouragement. I love his faith. I listen to what he says. I, I think, man, he stirs me up every time I'm around him. He he just has this positive outlook on life, and I know that life is not always easy. It's not always you know roses and fairy floss, but but he he has this this uh, you know great disposition. I, I I try and learn that from him. Hopefully, you've got people that you you you're taking those things from. You're learning, because not everything is is going to be taught in in a Sunday service. Most of my personal discipleship happened around the dinner table with people or going on walks with people like walking and playing basketball. We, we had the men's breakfast yesterday and it was, there was an incredibly inspiring guy that spoke about um, his current ministry which is helping men, that have, men and women that have been released from prison and um, he was connected with this guy Jerry Hansen who runs, runs a big business on uh, building and basically the, the connection was he wanted to mentor people. And Jerry said, well, why don't you just come and work for me on the construction site, bring them in, and then they get the opportunity to to learn from one another, to grow, to be discipled in that space. They're not sitting in a classroom. They're learning life on the go, which is part of discipleship. And Paul says there, what you've seen or what you've heard and what you saw in me, follow these things, put those things into practice. And then he finishes with this. In this little passage, finally, let me finish with this. Got two and a half minutes left. Might finish with this. He says, And then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Remember previously, he said, don't worry about anything, but with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, get, present your requests to God. Make, make them known to God. And then the peace of God will be with you. Now he says, and now the God of peace will be with you. There's a little bit of a, a, a different language in this. He's, he initially says that, that if you do these things, then the peace of God will be with you. And then if you keep putting them into practice, then the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will be with you, and now the God of peace will be with you. Now, they're obviously connected, because it's the same God and the same peace. But I wonder if sometimes we, in situations, we have the the opportunity to receive a gift of peace from God. Where we turn to Him, we don't worry, don't get anxious, and we turn to Him and we say, God, we share our hearts with Him, and He gives us peace. Like a gift that surpasses all understanding. We can't understand it. And he gives us that peace. But then as we continue to put it into practice, we learn something. We find out that it's not just about getting momentary peace. It's about becoming aware that the Prince of Peace is in your situation. God, give me peace. Or God, you are peace. Peace. Two different things. Same God, same peace. Sometimes we need to just cry out for God to give peace to our hearts. But I think he wants us to to, to learn that rhythm and to continue to go in this direction where we actually learn to see that the God of peace is in your situation. It's not that he changes or he moves or he's not there. So it's more about us becoming aware of his presence. If you continue to do these things then you will become aware of his presence in every situation. Not just your need for peace in the situation, but that he is right there with you. That the God of peace will be with you. So I'm not just looking for a visitation of peace. I'm aware of the presence of the person of peace in my situation. I I believe he wants us to have this heightened awareness of his presence in everything that we go through. So we're not just asking for the fruit of peace. We're not just calling out for the gift of peace. We want the person of peace. And I'm aware that in every situation, the God of peace is with me. If ever there was a time when we needed to know that the God of peace is with me, it's now. And I feel like Paul is saying, if you keep going in this direction, if you keep training your thinking, if you keep giving thanks, if you keep uh, rejoicing at all times, then you will see, you will become aware that the presence of God is right there with you. In Exodus 33, the Israelites were about to go into the promised land and, and God says he, he's not going to go with them. And basically, the Israelites were cool with that. But Moses, and Moses says this incredible thing. He says, If your presence isn't with us, then I'm not going. If your presence isn't there, then I'm not moving. I don't want the promised land without the promiser. The Israelites would have settled. Oh, fruit, great ground, soil. We can grow whatever we want. Oh, this sounds nice attractive, the, the, all, all of the blessing and all of the, the fruitfulness of the promised land. Yeah, let's go. But Moses is like, he is the one that distinguishes it. And he is the one that distinguishes us. And I, I, I'm not, I don't want to go anywhere that his presence won't be with us. I wonder if we've, we, we just come, come, become comfortable with living with a lack of awareness of God's presence. The Israelites could have just done it. They could have just lived. They could have just gone through life. And yet, thanks, thanks, Lord. Yahweh, we, we're really thankful on a Sunday or when you tell us to be. But as followers of Jesus, our our, our our new default is to be aware of his presence everywhere we go. I'm not just crying out for a bit of peace in the moment. I want the God of peace. I want to see him. I want to know him. I want to know that he is right there with me in the storm, in the boat, in the flood, in the fire, that he is there. And I I want the God of peace, his presence. Are you with me this morning? Nothing else will satisfy us. Nothing else will protect us the way that he will. Nothing else will give us security or stability the way that his presence will. Let Let me finish with this. Seriously, but. This is what Paul writes to to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. And he's explaining some of the things that he went through. I read this and I was like, man, this is so powerful. Verse 16, he says, The first time I was brought before my judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. Anyone else feel like that? Like it's just you before the judge? It's just you in the trial? Like you've been abandoned? Like you've been left? Like you're just standing there by yourself? Where is everyone? No one's with me. And then he says, may it not be counted against them. What a great disposition. Doesn't get bitter at him because he knew something. He says in verse 17, and hold on to this, please, church. But the Lord stood with me and he gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all of the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. He understood that in front of the judge, while no one else was standing with him, there was no defense lawyer, there was no other apostles, there was no other disciples. He was by himself, but he understood that God, the God of peace was standing with him. And God delivered him. God rescued him. God brought him out of that place. Stop trying to look to man to give you what only God can. Stop trying to receive from man security and stability. Only God can give you those things. And if you are aware that he is with you at all times, in all situations, in every circumstance, then you can rejoice and you can be glad and you can give praise regardless of what happens. Keep putting these things into practice, and then the God of peace will be with you. I want to pray this this morning, and I pray this over us. Perhaps you are feeling this way right now. Maybe you're feeling alone. You're feeling isolated. Maybe you're feeling uh, like you you know there's no one on your defence. Can I say to you that God is there? And it might not look like it. It might not feel like it at this point. But God is there. The God of peace will be with you. If we could, let's close our eyes. Bow our heads. And I'm just going to pray that our awareness of His presence with us would start to outweigh whatever else is around us. That we would know that He is there, that He is with us, that He is not forsaking nor leaving, but His presence is there. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word and we thank You for uh, the, the Scriptures that You've given to us. I thank You for Your graciousness toward us, even in this morning, to be in these passages. And God, we need Your peace. We need your peace. But what we want is the person of peace. What we want is the the God of peace. We want our awareness to you and your presence to be opened. We want to know that you are there in every situation to see your presence, to see your hand at work. So Lord, would you give us awareness? Would you open our eyes as we do these things, as we put these things into practice? God, we pray that you would give us a greater sense, a greater awareness of your presence with us. God with us. Emmanuel, you came. You're still here. You'll never leave nor forsake. God of peace, would you fill this place this morning? Let every heart know That you're not just an idea, you are a person. You're not just some religious figurehead, you are the God of creation. You yourself are peace. And so I pray that as your presence is here, the fruit is peace, the fruit is joy, the fruit is love. We are so grateful that you would choose in your sovereignty, in your wisdom to, to unroll this plan of salvation and redemption and to include us in it. And God, I want to live in the fullness of that revelation. So I pray that you would help us to have courage in our hearts Humility in our minds to say yes to you in every situation to say yes to you in whatever you say to say yes to you in wherever you call and to go where you where you lead us to follow you we thank you lord we thank you we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church for more information about us or any of our services please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.